0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Batarad Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy, with you here as uh, 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 Well, spring and April just kind of rolls on, and we've we're, we're now getting to the end of the spring sports, and uh, of course, the most important spring sport of all, spring football. Right?
1: Anybody? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I know how Brian feels about it, but uh, and I know, and I really know how Eric feels about it. But you know who you know who we will have as our guest today. Talking about that, Jeremy Brenner. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Joe. <laughs> I know we want to, I know you're more excited about the Rockets, but
1: um, I mean I mean Jeremy was the one guy that was there, right? You were there. Somebody look, was spring, there. Spring, Derek spring was there too. Spring
2: football, spring football. I think the, the lack of appeal about spring football is that it's not fall football. It's, it's not, not fall football. It that, fall. Is, that, fall. Is, it
0: that is, is ironclad. <laughs> so we are but black
2: Derek's, and cold. <laughs> Yeah, but we are, there are sorry. some nice pieces about it. There are yeah. some nice parts about
0: it. We'll talk about that, the little yeah. festival that happens and all that, the music, mm-hmm. food trucks and all that. We'll talk about that and plenty more. We'll catch up with baseball and softball insofar as Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez are willing to tolerate it at this point. And we mm-hmm. will talk about the UCF Hall of Fame um, inductions as well. Uh, we are Black and Gold Banner at SB Nation's home for your UCF nights. You can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and UCF. Underscore Banner on Twitter. Follow us each at Jeff Underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, Brian. Or excuse me, Spokes Underscore Murphy and Jeremy Brenner, B R E N E R on Twitter. Is that right, Jeremy? I got that right.
2: Couldn't have said it any better, Jeff.
0: That's what I thought. All right, let's let's dive in. So the big, well, I, I guess we can call it the big event um, from this past weekend. Uh, spring football as spring practice comes to a conclusion. Um, Jeremy, you were there and, you know, uh, laugh all you want about, you know, how much of a, how much or how little of a deal we make, uh, about a spring football game. But, um, there were some questions I think that, that some fans wanted some answers to, uh, particularly with the, uh, quarterback situation. So you were at the game, you talked to everybody afterwards, uh, you wrote up a couple things on black and gold banner for us in particular, the three biggest takeaways. And one of them was, uh, your evaluation of the quarterback situation and uh let me be mr sports cliche guy and ask you did we get an answer do we know who the quarterback is right
2: now yes the quarterback is dante culver yeah <laughs> that's the <what> done <laughs> all right okay. moving on no is, is I, he it, in the hall of fame is he in the hall of fame yes, yes he's in the is hall it? of fame okay Yeah, well, he uh, was—he wasn't there. Um, But there were a lot of other, you know, newly enshrined Hall of Famers there uh, with Marshall and uh, Kevin Smith and uh, George O'Leary. So um, that was. Hold on, now I was
1: told they weren't there in the stadium. Oh well, Brandon was there. I know that Brandon
2: Marshall was definitely there. Um, Okay. I definitely saw him in person, and if that's not Brandon Marshall. That is a really, really tall man who should be playing. Brandon was
1: there. Brandon was there. George <laughs> had to go back because he had to host the UCF women's golf team in the uh, for the American.
2: Oh golf really? Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Jo- right. <laughs> priorities. Uh, George O'Leary the UCF <laughs> spring game to host the UCF women's golf team. Well, they,
3: they were. were I, I think, and I think if Kevin Smith was there, the he would been he
0: would been fired. fired. That,
3: that's yeah. So you, uh, uh, considering he's the
1: running back coach at FAU and they had a spring game over there, and he's probably not allowed to watch UCF play in the spring game considering they're in the schedule. Yeah, I talked to Kevin. Yes. He was driving back for the FAU spring game. So you were left with uh, Brandon Marshall. Allison Kime and Alini Reyes were the ones that were, I believe, were in the stadium, actually.
2: Yes, they were honored. That's a better word. They were honored at the beginning of the game, which I think was very cool because it kind of, you know, connects the UCF from the past to the UCF to the present. And a lot of recruits were there. A lot of future recruits were there. I stood uh, down on the sideline before kickoff and recruits there and uh, so it was like kind of linking you know past present and future which I thought was a really uh, cool thing that happened.
0: So what did you see I want to go back to the quarterbacks for a second so uh, we saw a little bit of DJ Mack we saw a little bit of uh, uh, Quadri Jones who actually looked pretty good we saw a little bit of uh, Brandon Wimush in a UCF uniform for the first time and we saw a little bit of uh, Dylan Gabriel so what were your impressions of the guys who took the snaps, um, and uh, it, I don't know, tell, tell us something that maybe we weren't quite expecting about how they performed and what you saw. What was your evaluation of the quarterback?
2: Yeah, so, well, it was very interesting because they kind of, um, they, they put all four quarterbacks out there in consecutive drives. So uh DJ Mack got his, his turn, then Brandon got his turn, Uh, then Dylan got his turn, and then Quadri, and it was, it happened in a span of five game minutes, um, which was also like (laughs) maybe seven or eight real minutes in time. Um, It went by really quickly, and I think that was uh, something that the team really wanted to pride on, especially like get it started, and then after that, it was a rolling clock, and it seemed like the first five minutes of the game took the exact same amount of time as the last, you know, however long was left, um, which is kind of ironic and kind of funny, but um, something that they're preaching this year, um, is that they want to be faster than they were last year, which is kind of a lofty goal considering they were one of the fastest teams in college football last year. Um, but there's a good chance that they, they, they want to go faster this year and there's a good chance they might actually be able to achieve that. Um, largely in part to the fact that it's year two in the system and a lot of the skill players, um, are very comfortable in the system. A lot of the off- Offensive line, very comfortable in the system. Um, and, you know, but the one thing that's different about this team this year that will be the biggest difference between the 2018 Knights and the 2019 Knights is the quarterback. And um, I can tell you that the spring game was not a very good indication as to who has an edge. Over one or the other. But I will say this, and it's kind of funny that um I remember the last time I was on the podcast, uh, we were talking about you know who the quarterback is gonna be next year, and I did say Dylan Gabriel. Um, and I'm gonna be honest right now, I'm going to stick with that prediction. Hmm. I think Dylan I think Dylan Gabriel is gonna start for this team. Maybe not week one, but I think that Dylan Gabriel will be the starter at the end of the day. Bentavious Thompson talked about it in um, in, in the press conference, you know, they were, they were like, um, they, did, they wanted to keep it hush-hush about, you know, any quarterback, and to be honest, no quarterback really has um, like an edge or anybody, I wouldn't, like, and, you know, we still don't know if Dylan's going to get redshirted or not, we don't know if it's going to be Wimbush or Mac or even Quadri, but specifically, Bentavia's called out Dylan Gabriel and commended him um, in front of, Immediate members, so um that that to me stood out um in that he's just a really sharp quarterback. I do think that Dylan Gabriel is the uh most gifted quarterback on the roster, which is why I feel like he should start um but as to who performed the best in the spring game, I'd probably say the most impressive uh in the spring game was probably uh Daryl Mack only because he had a drive at the very beginning of the game he had like two straight 30 plus yard completions to start the spring game. And the second one led to a touchdown. Uh, That was probably the most impressive thing that I saw throughout the day. Brandon Wimbush, a little bit shaky here and there, but he probably had some of the best textbook throws. Dylan Gabriel probably had the most sheer talent and Quadri Jones had the longest play of the day, a 75 yard or two Rashawn Lewis, son of Ray Lewis. Um, So they all flashed a little bit of good, a little bit of bad as well. So they really, if, if they wanted to continue to put a lot of doubt on the quarterback situation, then UCF definitely did their job.
0: What what I think is, it feels like you could, I mean, everyone would talk about, you know, Dylan Gabriel and how good he is. It feels like if you, if you somehow put Daryl Mack and, um, and, uh, and Brandon Wimbush into, into a machine that somehow combined the two of them, that would be a really interesting situation too. But um, you know, you mentioned uh, Benno Thompson who had a uh, hundred plus yards in the game. I think that he might be a key to replacing Taj McGowan next year. But uh, aside from the quarter, uh, from the quarterbacks and aside from Benno, who else you know, kind of stood out uh, amongst the crowd in this uh, in this well glorified practice?
2: yeah, the the player that stood out the most was um, without a doubt, Jacob Harris, uh, tight end slash receiver. Um, he's a guy that can, uh, probably fill in the role Jordan Aikens and Michael Colubiali had in the last two years where he's that big featured a lot on, uh, special teams, uh, last season. And he was, uh, you know, he was seen as like this guy that could, you know, really make a difference. And, uh, he was, he was seen as like the spark plug on, on special teams. He was oftentimes, you know, the first man down the field, uh, when a punt was, uh, taking place or a kickoff return, um. Jacob Harris is one of those main guys, and you know he's he's a big dude. He's maybe six five, uh, probably like two fifty. I don't I I I I don't know, but he's definitely like a big dude. He's like a guy you don't want to really mess with him, um, and I wouldn't mess with him. Uh, but he's very <laughs> he's very interesting. If you like, and I'm I'm am I'm gonna write about this um in hopefully the next week or so uh, on the Bannerette So. St- he was brought on by Scott Frost as a walk-on, um, but he originally was a soccer player, um, and that was something that he played soccer. And he didn't start playing football until his senior year, where he was a free safety. It, it's a very unique skill set, and that's what Heupel talked about. It's what Harris talked about, and it, it can create to a very interesting, you know, guy. You know, he had probably a chance at about four touchdowns. He had, he ultimately had two. So he's got a little bit of. Stuff to work on in terms of, you know, his hands. But overall, he's a huge athlete. He's and that's honestly what UCF looks for in their show players is just pure athleticism, and that's what Jacob Harris is.
0: Yeah. I, I, now let me ask you real quick. I know you. I know you got to go because the Rockets are getting ready uh, getting ready to play their playoff game, and I know you're covering that for yeah. um, for Dream <laughs> Shake. But um, defense. Anybody who stood out on your end there? Because there's a lot of losses from last year.
2: The person that stands out to me is probably Nate. Evans. Uh he's kind of stepping up as a vocal leader in the defensive room, uh, the, the linebacker room. Um and he had probably the most physical play of the game on um on Otis Anderson uh during during probably the second quarter, third quarter. But um he's he's shown that he's uh becoming a mentor to the young guys, and there's still a lot of guys that are gonna come in uh in May for the summer, a lot of you know, underclassman, a lot of pressure, and it seems like Nate Evans is someone that is willing to take that vocal role that Pachizinski filled last year, and then so. But there's a lot of guys that are going to step. You have Navel Clark and Richie Grant stepping up, but if I had to look at one person in particular, it's probably Nate Evans because I feel like he is feeling like it's his responsibility to be a bigger voice on the team and he's going to show that not just vocally but on the field
0: all right sounds good jeremy brenner thanks for the breakdown of the spring game uh i know you got to get going but we appreciate your time we'll talk to you soon man all right
2: of course guys always my pleasure
0: all right uh stick around what we're gonna do is uh we're gonna come back and we'll going you know, to talk a little bit more we got baseball and softball coming up here on the black and gold banner podcast stick around we're back after this all right, welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy back with you. Thanks again to Jeremy for joining us on uh, on the breakdown of the the spring football game. Make sure you follow him at Jeremy Brenner on Twitter. He's got a couple pieces up on Black and Gold Banneret for more on that. So, um, All right, so let's uh, make the transition now. We're full in on baseball and softball right now. And, um, of course, just in time for them to have a really, both of them really, a really, really tough um weekend so uh, Murph um, and and Eric, we're going to start by talking a little baseball. They went up to Cincinnati Yep. and oh yeah 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 uh, this uh, this kind of felt I, I don't know I was I was following you all weekend, Murph, and that seven six loss on Sunday for CCF won 15 nothing. they run ruled Cincinnati on Friday. So you do not
3: see often the Friday run rule that is right. hard to do. Yes,
0: yeah. I, I, you know, because because, you know, the, the they no one's mailed it in at that point, you know, but they come back, they lose eight to three on Saturday and then they lose on a two run homer in the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday. There's weather that was supposed to come. Right. So they 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 flipped it to a, a doubleheader and the Knights get swept in the doubleheader. Right. Um off a walk-off homer on on the, on the, the Saturdays. So a
3: a walk-off homer with a one-run lead, a two-run, two-out, two-strike walk-off homer in the bottom of the ninth is how UCF loses
0: yet another series. Ew. Just ugh. that I mean this one, I mean I I mean I'll let you I'll, I'll let you take the baton on this one, but this one felt like it really hurt.
3: Yeah and um you know you don't want to say it, it you don't want to say it carried over into into what was a, a game on Tuesday against FAU uh who is a good team FAU's uh you know is the top 16 in RPI I mean it's a decent team and uh UCF loses again on Tuesday so now they've lost four or five and after the game speaking to coach Lovelady it just seemed like there was uh, I've never se- I never seen him more quiet more quick with his answers if you've been around Coach Greg Lovelady, you know, he's pretty uh, talkative. And even when things are going wrong, he's pretty lively. It just seemed like uh, there was no, there there was really no life there. And I I think the last two games really have really um, just stunned this team. I I will just say that. And to make matters worse, uh, Lovelady said after the Tuesday game that starter Trevor Holloway is probably out for the season. He had Mm -hmm. missed the last three weeks. He had missed the last three weeks with bicep tendonitis. Um, But now, with him being out, he joins Ryan Saltstall. He joins Joe Sheridan, David Litchfield, Zach Housel, who are all out for the year uh, on the the pitching side. Uh, I mean, Kyle Kemp, who is their closer and would have been on the mound for that Cincinnati ninth inning if he hadn't been hurt with a hamstring injury. At least he's expected back this weekend when they play Wichita State. But there's so many injuries right now. The offense isn't really clicking much. They have, you know, four guys in the offense that are pretty dependable with Ray Alejo, Tyler Osick, Dallas Beaver, Matthew Micah. And really, none of those guys are really lighting the world on fire right now. The bottom of the order is always a grab bag if you don't know what you're going to get. And, uh, and Sunday is, just, well, really, every series finale has just been a complete roller coaster for them. The, 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 the two things they can hang their hat on are, are, uh, are Sherman, uh, Grant Sherman, and Chris Williams, their front two starters. Otherwise, this team is a mess. It's now four and eight in conference. They're high with their conference play. They're coming off probably their worst conference loss that I've seen them experience since I've been covering them in the last couple of years. So uh, now they go back on the road against a not very good Wichita State team, but you just don't know what you're going to get with this UCF team.
0: What has happened other than the injuries? I mean, obviously, that's that's it. But is that is that the only thing? It hurts.
3: Uh, Coach Lovelady wants to build his team around the, the, the bullpen. I mean, he wants to shorten games, and right now they don't really have the weapons to do that. Kemp being out, uh, obviously, it uh, probably cost them at least one game. Certainly, that's a signing game. It probably cost them. Uh, Zach Helsel, who had Tommy John surgery back last month, he was going to be a pretty big part of their seventh, uh, like a seventh inning, eighth inning bridge. And then you've got guys who just have been inconsistent. Uh, Garrett Westbrook has pitched very well. Jackson Clare. Hasn't pitched very well. Jalen Whitehead has been up and down. Uh, that bullpen's been, there's not, just not been very good. And so they're forcing younger guys, guys like Zach Hunsaker. Zach Hunsicker is a freshman whom they probably wanted a red shirt this year, but with all the injuries and all the inconsistent play from other guys, he was forced, he's been forced into action and he's actually been pretty decent, but he's now, he now was on the mound for that Cincinnati game with Kemp out and all the other injuries and kind of the other, you know, like, lesser dependable options he was the guy they turned to to finish that game out on on saturday against cincinnati and he gave up the home run and this is a guy again who probably at the start of the year wasn't going to pitch this season um offensively it's it is basically a lineup that's cut into two which is the top four are pretty solid with alejo osic beaver and micah and then the bottom five through nine are, you know maybe you can throw Dalton lingo in there sometimes but 6 or 9 especially they just it just it, you just don't know what you're going to get and mostly it's not much um so yeah and it's and then they can't they can't find a way to finish finish out a series they're always good at winning on friday or saturday because their starting pitching is pretty solid with sherman and williams but they have no way to wrap it up because they really don't have a sunday starter and when they go bullpen by committee that bullpen's just not good enough to give them you know 6 7 innings of, of decent baseball so it's a mess um and, and, you know, they say they've got a lot of games left, but, again, we're already halfway through conference play. Uh, time is of the essence. They need to win a series that is so, like, uh, basic level analysis, but, like, this team has to show they can really win a, a series. The, the one series they won, which is against USF, they came out of that feeling awful about themselves because they clinched the series on Sunday to finish up a, finish up a suspended game the night before but then they lose the Sunday game, the regular scheduled Sunday game. And they lose that game. So, yeah, they win the series, but they lose. They leave it on a loss, a loss that was really like mistake-filled with a lot of errors and bad pitching. And It was just like even the wins they get, even the series wins they get, what they have won, it feels like a loss. And so uh, it, the, the attitude around this team isn't great, and they want to keep pr- preaching about being, staying positive and keep going forward, but um, they, this team has just run into a, a bunch of – uh, roadblocks and, and just things that are out of their control. Wow.
0: Uh, all right. So that's the good news. Um, <laughs> but, but, is there, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm looking at the RPI. They dropped, I think, was it 12 spots in the RPI? They went from 58 to 70. Oh, um, yeah. Over the weekend. They're 22. What's a seven. miracle.
1: What's a miracle is that baseball America still has them as one of the next four out. Now they're not the first four out. In fact, According to Baseball America and their uh, Wednesday latest projections, they have Florida Atlantic moving up to the first team out as a result of the win against UCF, which Murph saw, UCF is still one of the next four outs. So what well, tells you what that tells you is this is a weak year in the bubble. Uh, yeah. there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of good stuff in that bubble, so if somehow this team were to able to get on a roll, they could sneak into the tournament but I gotta be honest. I'm, I mean, every word that Brian Murphy has said about this baseball team since February has kind of been true. And this team, I I don't see this turning around. They don't have the bodies to turn it around, right, Murph? And it, at the end of the day, that's the problem. You just don't have what it takes to turn this around. I don't think there has, there hasn't been any proof of that, right?
3: They don't. If they get Kemp back, that'll stabilize the bullpen back into the bullpen a little bit. But they they're short on starters. They're short on bridge relievers. They're they're really short on offense. It's really half of an offense at this point. They just don't have the production one through nine and in their pitching staff to really mount any serious run. They can win a series here or there. But um, this is not a, this is a pretty mediocre team. This is a very mediocre team because of everything they've got. And I will say, Jeffrey, that RPI drop happened last night. Or excuse me, Tuesday night. That was only their drop from Tuesday. They were fifty-eight going into that game against FAU. They dropped from fifty-eight to seventy after losing the FAU. Ooh. They dropped they dropped from thirty-three to fifty-eight after the Cincinnati series loss.
0: Wait, so, so you're saying that in the span of two nights, they dropped from 33rd. In the span yeah, in the span of in, in the span dropped, of
3: four in the span of four games, they dropped thirty-seven points in the RPI. Woo.
0: Yeah. That's well, I, I guess – well, no wonder Love, uh, Coach Lovelady was, was so, I guess, for him despondent after that. Like, is there – I don't want to end this on such a sour note, um, you know, I, I, you know, from my buddy Sam, but, like, geez. Yeah. Um, is there <laughs> any light at the end of the tunnel here?
3: Wichita State's not very good. Uh, so the Shockers are coming in on a six-game losing streak. Uh, this, although that losing streak was preceded by a winning streak in which they won 11 of 12. So try to figure them out if you can. Uh, Wichita State's pretty good offensively. They have a couple guys uh, with, an, with an OPS over 1,000. There's no one on UCF who has an OPS over 1,000, and Wichita State has two. However, Wichita State's pitching staff is probably one of the worst, if not the worst, in the American. Uh, they have one starter. With more than one start this year, if, if any start with more than one start this year, they have one guy with an ERA that's less than five. So the pitching's pretty bad. It could be a slugfest if guys like uh, Alejo and, and Osick and, and Beaver get going. Uh, and if you see if we can get some production from the bottom of the order, um, you know, what's really important for this team right now is that they can't afford to lose any games that Grant Sherman and Chris Williams start especially Sherman, because he's been absolutely lights out. That is the one really bright spot about this team right now. Grant Sherman, they're, they're, they're well, for this week, been Thursday night starter, but really he's their ace. He has been fantastic the last, for the past month, uh, and Chris Williams has been pretty good up and down, but, but you know decent enough. They can't afford to lose the games they start because they're going to probably lose most of the series finale games because they just have no answers um, for those series finale games.
0: <laughs> well, hey, twenty two and fifteen, it's gonna be a grind. It's gonna be a grind, but um but I mean the good news is, you know, I, I hate putting it this way, but it's true. They're they're not in last in the conference. And right that means that they um if you're in last place in the league, you don't get an invite to the conference tournament. The only the top eight out of nine go. Right now, that's South Florida. They're two and ten and at least the Knights are two games ahead of that at four and eight in the conference. And there's still, there's still room to sort of build that, you know, put a little breathing room between you and them, but um, and, and it is going to be a grind. The series this
3: weekend is against the teams that are in the seventh and eighth place positions. That's so true. If, if you're looking at that, at least you need to win this series so that you further distance yourself from the stellar and you actually, you actually able to at least get a, a, a spot in the conference in the conference yeah. tournament in May. that that is that is like something that you can really pull out of a series win.
0: Now I'm not familiar with Tulane's um uh, non-conference schedule, but if the if the conference tournament started now, uh UCF would be in a group with uh Tulane who's 25 and 12, UCF's 22 and 15, uh Yukon who's 24 and 13. We already know how that went. And um, and Memphis, uh, who's seventeen and seventeen and four and five in the league, so um, at the very least, it feels like they could. You know, if if, again, if the conference tournament started, we still got a lot of baseball to go. But they could, they could at least come out of that um, in fairly good shape. But again, like you were saying, I mean, with whoever's left pitching, you know, that's still a question. Left to be. Can um, you imagine yeah. if, this team,
3: if this team loses either Grant Sherman or Chris Williams? I, 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 if they, I mean, they're, I mean, they're going to have
0: to start using position players to pitch. Well, Murph,
1: Murph, yeah. let me ask you how do you compare this baseball team with the injuries they've dealt with compared to the basketball team the second year of Coach Dawkins, where they had mm-hmm. injuries that was a galore? I mean, it seems like it's a very parallel. And I know fans don't want to hear that, they think it's an excuse, but I, you know, you, you, it's, this was already a year where you had to replace certain pieces to begin with from last year's team. And then when you lose the personnel that this team has lost, it's just it just seems it's just one of those years that you just throw your hands up, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it really is. I mean, I will say, you know, basketball two years ago suffered more significant losses sure. in terms of injuries because of the players they lost. You UCF, you're not losing in the baseball side. They haven't lost. Tyler Osick and Grant Sherman and Matthew Micah, the guys who are really important to the team. They've lost integral, uh, uh, you know, you know, guys off the bench and guys in the guys in the bullpen bridge area, seven to sixth, to eight innings that they could really help, you know, shorten games. Uh, those guys, those guys don't get a lot of stats that you look at, but they're important pieces to winning games. Those are the guys that they've lost. And I'll also say this too, guys who are healthy uh, to go about the trust that Lovelady has in the guys who are remaining there. You've got Kemp. He's very good. He's got a 1.33 ERA. He's striking out a ton. Uh, he'll be back this weekend, so that's really good. But Jackson Clare and Jalen Whitehead came in last night in the sixth inning after Jordan Spicer, who, had, who has been dreadfully inconsistent for basically his entire UCF career, but certainly this season as well. He pitched five really solid innings. UCF, or Lovelady called upon, Jalen Whitehead and Jackson Clare they each faced two batters. They threw a total of twelve pitches. There was uh, a walk. There was a home run. There was a sing- There was a triple. I believe it was a mess. None of them got none of them got an out. And after the game, lovely was talking about the game and Love, talking about that fourth that four run sixth inning that F, that FAU put together that really decided the game. And he put the blame on himself, but he said it so, and by saying. I put some guys there who should not have been pitching in that game, meaning he doesn't trust those guys. Even the guys who were healthy, I, I, there's a lack of trust there. So even there's like, there's just so few options in that bullpen. And again, this is how this team has won games. This is how this team won game two years ago with guys like JJ Montgomery and Bryce Tucker and Jason Barr, um, you know, and so now they have really a, a shell of that and their offense, you know, was not was never expected to be world beaters. And now they have to pick up the slack. And I just don't think they have the horses outside the top four to really pick up the pitching because their offense was never made to score six, seven runs a game. They were a pitching first team. And this pitching staff has been absolutely obliterated.
1: Yeah. Well, and, nice. and look, I mean, Chris, Chris Williams missed the first nine games through mm-hmm. the whole NCAA thing. And I know that's not an injury, Merck, but. That affects a pitcher's routine and rhythm and getting into the season. You're joining the season in progress. Uh, you mentioned the Holloway injury. I mean, it's just—it just seems like it's one thing after another. It's like what's next type of thing. It, it
3: is, and and Chris and Chris Williams actually was demoted uh, in, in a few weeks ago because he just wasn't pitching very well. He got moved back from the Friday start to the Saturday start because, frankly, he wasn't doing very well. Now uh, he wasn't great against Cincinnati on Saturday, the first game of the doubleheader, but. He has been very good in the last three or four outings. Sherman has been uh, like pristine good. So those have been the two guys you really count on. And otherwise, it has just been a slog. The offense has really slowed down. Ray Alejo is is in a you know has been has been hitting around two hundred for the last 11, 12 games. These guys are hitting the ball hard sometimes, but they're just going they're, they're just going right to fielders. Uh, it's just been it's been rough. And you know there was some optimism coming out of that F, that that, US, that USF series a couple of weeks ago. They had won four or five. They had seemed like they had finally turned something around. They had they had gone on the road to beat Jacksonville. They had won their first conference series, and now all of that is lost. And plus, you're adding Holloway to the to the medic list. It, it just feels like this team is um, is searching for something right now. And, and if, if you could you could possibly see a very ugly weekend at Wichita State, especially for a for a 10:30 local time Saturday finale game. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> what is it with Wichita State and these bizarre start times uh, Thursday yeah Thursday Friday Saturday 7 7 p.m. 7 p.m. and 11 30 a.m. Uh, in uh, at Wichita that's 10th or excuse me 11 30 a.m. Eastern and that's ten thirty. you said 10 30 a.m. local in Wichita that's is that 10 right
3: 30 that's 10 30 local Jeffrey do you like do you like baseball with your mimosas Goodness yeah.
0: gracious. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah,
3: it's a stupid question. But. Along with my uh, Bailey,
0: Bailey's <laughs> Bailey's coffee, why
1: not?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right, so, and then, well, you know, they got Bethune-Cookman coming in on Tuesday at 3. A Tuesday game at 3, which is also just... You're
1: going go to that berth? Nice well, lunch, that, lunch.
3: maybe, yeah. I might be going to lunch and then some baseball. I mean, I like day baseball. Uh, I uh, I got to figure that out because they advertised that game last night at 6 o'clock, so I'm not sure if the a schedule snafu or if... There's a disconnect somewhere. I mean, again, even, even the promotions department, we're not even sure what's going on. Everything's a mess. Well,
1: man, I, I, man, oh, man. I will say this. Um, I think the 3 o'clock might be accurate because I think, and Jeff knows about this having worked there, I believe that is the night that UCF's having their uh, Swords Awards. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the, uh, the student athlete awards thing with the Swords, oh, you know.
0: I, I think... don't know that for sure.
1: No, no, I know. That's what I'm telling oh, you. Oh, you know? Okay. Yeah. Well, quite, that. Yeah, might possibly that might be. That so I very think well they might have moved that up to a day game because they don't want to conflict with the awards. Uh, but I'm just speculating here. For all I know, maybe that is a misper. Who knows? It's a, it's an odd start time, nonetheless. So um, you know, we'll we'll find out eventually.
0: Yeah. Well. Um, yeah,
3: it's if, gonna if, be. If, if UCF Facebook SID Ian McDougal is listening to this, yes, I know oh. what the schedule says. But it was advertised at six o'clock PM on the video board last night. I'm just saying someone help brother out. That's all I want to know.
0: <laughs> Otherwise you're just gonna be you're just gonna be stuck there the whole day. And, I'll, be there, uh, I'll
3: be there. I'll be there. I'll, I'll I'll know like the game will start at six, but I won't find that out, so I'll get there at like two. I have to kill four hours. Can't wait.
1: <laughs> they do have this thing called Twitter. They might tweet out what time the game is on that day. Heaven for
3: Heaven forfend. <laughs>
0: It's, hey guys <laughs> this, you know is there a baseball game anyone want to come out to play now <laughs> i could see murph there? <laughs> <laughs> all right well we've got that to wrap up and then uh but yeah i wanted to uh, talk with uh elo about softball here because well i don't know man it, it doesn't feel quite as desperate as baseball but uh they're in a slide right now. They're at velocity. Listen. One, two, three, four, five in a row, including getting yeah. swept in Tampa by by Not South Tampa. Florida. Tampa. was
1: here. It was here. It was oh, here. I,
0: oh, it was okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it okay, it was here, which makes it even which makes it even worse. I mean, South Florida's good. They're ten and two in the league, thirty-two and fifteen, but um, you know, th- this was kind of a show me series, man, and South Florida. Um, they, took care, they took care of business here on the road. So UCF is now tied for third in the American at 7-5 and five with Wichita, 28-14 and 14 overall. You were doing those games, Eric. What happened?
1: Well, I know this is very complicated analysis that you only get here on Black and Gold, banneret, but <laughs> I think Murph can back me on this. If you don't score, you're not going to win. Literally. Thank you, you know, for that. You
3: that. Analysis. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, UCF scored one run in 27 innings that weekend. They played a 13-inning marathon on Friday night, which was a classic. It was Georgina Cork, Aaliyah White, pitched the two, two of the best pitchers in the conference in the country, uh, went toe-to-toe, uh, went lengthy to the point where I was at the Hall of Fame ceremony. When that ended, I got back to the complex, and it was still in the 10th inning. That's how uh, lengthy it was going. But, you know, USF got a two-run homer in the 13th inning, and they just, you know, UCF's offense just struggled all weekend against the USF pitching. One run in 27 innings. If you go back to the Sunday game against Wichita State the week before, it's, they have not they had one run in the last 33 innings. Uh, so they've hit a bad time to hit a slump offensively. Um, and part of it is not hitting with runners in scoring position. Uh, they had bases loaded and nobody out in the first inning in Sunday's game against USF and, didn't, and struck out. Uh, they tried to squeeze play. And uh, which forced the force out at home plate. And then I believe they struck out at the end of the inning or popped up. I don't remember. I kind of drew a blank at that point. But the point is they didn't score. Uh, and that's the problem. They've had chances. They haven't delivered the, big, the hit. And they struggled against a very good USF pitching team. We said last week runs would be at a premium, and it was. It wasn't like you know, UCF's pitching. It's the complete opposite of what Murph's seen over there in baseball. The pitching's been fine. Uh, they're still among the nation's best in ERA and things like that. But they are struggling offensively and it's not going to get easier because now they got to go to Tulsa this weekend. Who's also got good pitching. So they got to figure some things out, how to create some runs uh, for their pitching staff. Uh, But that's really the the end of the story. If you don't score, you're not going to win. And that's what happened with UCF.
0: Did you feel that they just came face to face with reality here? Because, um, I mean, we know South Florida is a good team, but you know they it, UCF's still in the middle of this, you know, coaching transition. Let's give them credit; they're still 47th in the RPI. But um, I, I mean, if these two match up in the conference championship, in the conference tournament, I should say at some point, um, is it one of those things where it's like, look, if UCF is able to take this, it's going to be an upset, or do you feel like it, it, these were just three coin flip games at least at this point, and it was just uh, it it was just not being timely with the bats.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was like USO was that superior. I I don't think this was a, a they're situation. 24th in the
0: RPI by the way. I yeah,
1: I mean like, again, if UCF have get some timely hitting, they you sort have of easily won the Friday game and I believe if they win the Friday game it's a completely different series. But once they lost that game in 13 innings and they didn't they didn't get any runs early in the Saturday game, I think what happens is players tend to press and I think you saw some of that with some of their hitters were pressing trying to find that hit, trying to, you know, maybe overthinking it. And, uh, you know, it's tough. I mean, USF has great pitching. I mean, they've always played low-scoring games. uh, But I don't think it was a situation where, hey, that team was far superior. Not at all. It's just, unfortunately, they have hit a slump here hitting-wise. They've hit the wall, if you will, struggles in their bats. Um, And, you know, they got to figure out a way to score some runs. I You know, this is the part of the schedule where we kind of knew what was coming here. You had USF at Tulsa and who hosts Houston, there's two midweeks in between that with FIU and Bethune next weekend. But nine of those games are all against top 50 teams in the RPI. And if you want to be an NCAA tournament team, you got to win some of those games. I felt they needed to go 5-4, and four, something to that extent. Because uh, you look at UCF's resume, yeah, they have a 47 RPI. They're in the bubble right now, but they have one win right now against the top 50 in the RPI, and that was Ohio State in February. And that's the disappointing thing about the USF game You know, and I've always said this in softball more so than in baseball. Avoid getting swept, sweep, swept, because if you take a game from USF this weekend, while that's not great, at least you get a quality win out of that, and it does help your resume. And you only
0: lose the one game too, instead of losing three games in the standings, right?
1: Correct. And so, but now they have another opportunity. Tulsa's in the twenties, I believe uh, RPI-wise. I think they're twenty-three or something like that. Um, So this is an opportunity on the road. You can win the series. That's huge for your resume. I think the conference championships out the window. Now they're basically uh, three back of USF in the loss column. Plus they lose the tiebreaker. That's going to be hard to catch up in nine games, but in the conference play, but if they can get some wins here against Tulsa and Houston, they can play themselves back into the NCAA tournament. If they don't, if they continue to struggle then they're going to be basically win conference tournament mode to get to the tournament or else. And, um, you know, it's disappointing because you've really, you've had tremendous pitching this year from Aaliyah White, uh, who, who's on the top of most of the categories, in the nation and wins, uh, ERA, they're, they're one of the top teams ERA-wise. this year. So You would hate to waste that and not make the tournament, but they got to find some consistent offense. And some of the hitters have to start hitting. If they want to get to the NCAA tournament, if they want to make some noise in the conference tournament in Houston, and that's and that's that's got to start this weekend against Tulsa. I cannot be it's very imperative they get going here soon. Otherwise, the season could get away from them.
0: And what doesn't make it any easier, you know, you mentioned the conference tournament. You know, at least with UCF baseball, they get into the tournament, they get double elimination to sort of you kind of get a, a mulligan at some point if you slip up. But the softball tournament, and you and I have debated this before. Single elimination. So if you end up having to get into that situation, like you were talking about, you know, where you have to win the conference tournament, boy, that can get that's, uh, you know, you never say never, but the likelihood of that is it really the percentage chances really start to drop at that point. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And then what's fresh again, let I me mean, UCF ranks 10th in the country. 10th in the country i could just hear Murph right now just salivating 10th <laughs> in the country in era 10th uh it's the best they've had from a statistical standpoint since 2015 when they were number one in the country when they had two all-americans and Otis and turnier and they obviously won 50 games so it's a completely different team but the point is boy to have the 10th best era in the country and a pitcher that's among the nation's leaders in wins and innings and and, and Boy, you just – you would like to cash in usually because you have a chance to win every game. When, with Aliyah in the circle, you have a chance to win. But if you don't – again, I know I'm not being condescending here at all. I'm not – usually I am. I'm very sarcastic a lot of times on this program. <laughs> but this is not one of them. I and swear. on Twitter
0: too, I should add. But anyway.
1: Correct. <laughs> but, but I'm not. If you don't score runs, if you don't score more than one run in 27 innings a series, you're not going to win. And that's the problem.
0: Yeah. Man, it's 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 tough. It that's maybe, maybe
1: Murph, maybe you and Maybe you and Love Lady, and maybe a uh, Coach Ball. Maybe we can make a trade. You guys give us a bat. We give you an arm. Maybe
3: that'd be great. I, I will say, I do, you know UCF that, that tenth in the ERA sounds like UCF baseball last year when they were. I think they were among the top ten in the ERA. Yeah. I don't have to wor- I, I don't have to worry about that problem now because UCF is only in the top twenty five in one stat in the nation. I swear to God, this is true. They're on top of having one stat in the entire nation, and it's sacrifice bunts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really?
3: Wow. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> now, now, they are. Is that the one stat in baseball that you just, you look at and you're <laughs> like, man, I really don't want, in this day and age, you know, I really don't want that one. Please, no. no. I mean, I, the, the
3: team bunts. They're like, look, if, if, they're, if, any, if any of them are listening to this, I will say, every time they bunt, it makes my skin crawl. I really just, it really does. It takes the life out of me. I will say they're also ranked, they're also among the top 20 in shutouts, but you're like tied to like 30 other teams at, at like two. So that doesn't really count. That shouldn't <laughs> count. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's not been a good year. Anyway, to go to, to like, that's like my point being is that, you know, softball is missing, the, is wasting an opportunity with the pitching staff that they have. Baseball, uh, it doesn't really have like that waste opportunity because the entire team, from front to back has been pretty mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so,
1: who should be who should feel worse then, Murph? Is it baseball should feel worse? Should I feel worse? Like, who,
3: I, who I know, feel what, worse? You know, you know, Eric, here's what I'm thinking with, with softball struggling, baseball, you know, struggling, we've talked about basketball, men's basketball's future, uh, which yeah. looks rough. We talked about women's basketball future, where there's a lot of players next year. I swear yeah. to God, the most impactful thing on the show might have actually been spring football talk. Which is
0: nuts.
1: (laughs) Hello, we got two tennis teams on the verge of making the tournament. Uh, Oh my
0: God. Here we we go. Well, a segue. We will talk about that and we will uh, talk a little bit about golf and we will talk about the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame inductions, which just took place uh, in just a little bit. Stick around, the black and gold banner at Podcast is back after this. Welcome back to the show. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. UCF underscore Bannerette is our Twitter handle. That's where you can follow us to get all the latest uh, from UCF sports, including, gentlemen, it's the cl- – uh, not the club sports, but the Country Club Sports Championship Weeks uh, here in um, the American. And it started with uh, UCF Women's Golf. They were in the American Athletic Conference Women's Championship up at Hammock Beach in Palm Coast. Um, they finished in second place. Houston, who is ranked number thirty-four in the country, um, and, and ran away and hid. They were uh, they were minus thirteen as a team. UCF finished in second, but they were thirty strokes back. That's nothing against UCF. This just shows you how good of a week Houston had. Uh, so they get the automatic bid to the NCAA's, and we got to wait to see um, where uh, UCF women's golf goes now. Uh, for, the, uh, for the NCAA, assuming that they get uh, an invite to begin with. Um, now, the Men's Golf Championship, I did want to get it, get everyone a heads up on that. That's in Palm Harbor. It's going to be at Innisbrook, and it's going to be this coming Sunday through Tuesday, April 21st through the 23rd, and we'll be keeping an uh, eye out on that one on the leaderboard for you on our Twitter account at UCF underscore um, Banneret, But congrats to uh, head coach Emily Marin of UCF Women's Golf leading them to a um, second place finish in the conference. And also the individual players Elizabeth Moon, who is ranked 81st in the country. She finished in second two strokes back of the individual medalist winner. That was Leonie Harm also of Houston. Uh, she's ranked 10th in the country by the way. She finished at minus 8 uh, over the three round um, tournament. So congratulations to uh, Liz. Also Maria Balcazar Finished in the top 12. She finished tied for 12th at five over. Um, so that's, uh, so. hey, second place for uh, the team event. Second place for the individual event. Uh, not that bad. And we got Men's Golf Championship coming up. All right, tennis. It's championship week for tennis, Eric Lopez. And the uh, women's tournament got underway uh, today, in fact. Now, UCF had the bye to Thursday. So they will play Thursday uh, at noon in the quarterfinals against Memphis who beat two, who beat uh, Temple in the 8-9 matchup uh, 4 to nothing. Uh, UCF at noon. By the way, the tennis championships are here in Orlando at the USTA National Campus down by Lake Nona and they will take place at well not the exact same time but coinciding with the men's tennis championship which starts t- which actually starts tomorrow with the first round um with uh, two matches, UConn versus Temple, SMU versus ECU. Uh, UCF is the one seed coming in, and they will play the winner of SMU and ECU on Friday. So uh, how about UCF Tennis here, Eric Lopez? They are uh, the one seed uh, in both the men's and the women's. Let me ask you this. Which team do you think has the better shot to win? the uh, to, uh, has, Which team has the better shot? To win the conference overall, they're both one seeds. Who would you be surprised by the most if they if they if they uh, if they flame out?
1: I would gotta go with the women's as the more uh, right because the men's has USF, which is always a powerhouse in men's tennis, yeah. uh, things like that. Whereas the women's been kind of rock solid all year round. The men's kind of been streaking down the stretch. By the way, we are on the verge of history here because both the men's and the women are pretty much going to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, for the together in the same year, which I don't think has ever happened before. I'm not going to say for sure because I don't, I just know that women's didn't have made it la, uh, until 2002 up until last year. And it's, and you know this, Jeff, because you covered tennis for a while. It's not like the two tennis programs were powerhouses, but um, both sides are in great shape. I'm there's a site called college tennis I know Murph's bookmarking it. As we speak, because uh, they yeah. they have in they have NCAA projections, folks. Yeah, nothing like I got NCAA. it. You got it. I yeah, I got it. it up. All right. And men's so, tennis and women's tennis are both going to be in. Yeah,
0: Pretty uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the women's. It, it's 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 like a database. It takes a second to populate here. Um yep. it's fancy. Yeah, they are projecting. Uh, let's see, uh, UCF. Uh, they're looking at uh, cur- you know projected rank twenty fifth so they're expecting them to get uh, uh so twenty fifth in the country um, yeah I mean uh, they' they're, they're, it's looking pretty good for and that's both good because right? like for
1: example the cutline they have a projections where they do a cut line uh, mm-hmm. where they do a cut line on who's going to be left out and usually you know they follow it based on ranking, so it's pretty accurate it's like ninety nine point nine percent accurate. So, like the cut line, for example, on the women's side is like 42 RPI ranking, basically, or 42 ranking. And you just mentioned where the women's are at, at 25. And then the men's projections for the NCAA tournament bubble, uh, as I look at this, I mean, this is just, and they're, and they take into
0: 27th, right? Now. Or they're currently 28. They're projected to be 27. Right.
1: And the bubble is like 42. Like LSU right now is the last team projected to be in in men's tennis at 42, for example. So the point is, both the men and the women are going to be in the tournament. That is a remarkable achievement and story that I get it's the most underplayed uh, UCF story. And I get it. Everybody's like, well, who cares about tennis? You know, but
0: we this should was start huge... caring about tennis as a fan base.
1: Because... Well, I mean, this was a huge project. And, and this is the most impressive thing that Danny White has done in his career at UCF. I know, you know, he gets a lot of the hoopla with the football hires. And I get the importance and all that. But he turned a tennis two tennis programs. First of all. Uh, that I don't know, Jeff, you describe it, you cover it because I want to be respectful to the previous coaches and, and it wasn't their fault. It was just
0: let's let's say pract- they were they were under invested. <laughs>
1: they were practicing. The, they, they were playing in rec centers, right? Yeah, the at a rec, the, the
0: the programs were were not invested in very much by the university. I will
3: say right.
1: that. And they have moved to where they're playing at this beautiful. Not facility. the fault of the coaches. Right. And they're playing in this new facility in Lake Nona at the College USTA Center, which is like a mecca now for tennis. Uh, It's created so many great matches in tennis, and college tennis. Uh, There's going to be even professional world team tennis teams are going to be playing there now as well. There's actually an Orlando franchise there, if you want to if you want to get your tickets there, the Orlando Storm, I think it's called or whatever, uh, for the World Team Tennis. But the point is, you got UCF men's and women's tennis there, playing at home, and they're both going to make the tournament, they're both going to be perennial NCAA tournament teams in a facility that's going to host the conference championships this weekend again for the second time, I think, in three years. And it's a home that's going to be home to the NCAA championships here in a couple of years as well. And Danny White kind of saw the vision in this. We were, I'll never forget when I was shocked, when he hired John Roddick out of Oklahoma. It's incredible. Uh, People were stunned. It shocked the entire tennis landscape, and he made him the the director of tennis, and then give John Roddick credit because he hired Brian Konekko, the women's tennis coach. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable.
0: So this is going to be fun to watch. Uh, the next couple. Are we going weeks, out there this weekend?
1: Season. Are we going out I, there?
0: You know, I I would like. I to. feel like we. I feel like we talk about this every week on the podcast. Where are we do. going to go I out have, there? I have. Listen, I have a day. Listen, the, the drive shack is out there, right on Friday. Yes. Let's go on Friday, and then we'll hang out at the drive shack, and we'll have a good time. I can't go. Why not?
3: I because I have a play to go to. I, yep. have a
1: magic, I have a magic uh, playoff game to cover. See, By the way, Jeff, you if you look see at the what radar. Happens, hold
3: on, hold see on. what happens, people?
1: see what happens? <laughs> hold on, Jeffrey. We're doing you a favor because I'm shocked that you didn't know this as a, as a weather guy yourself here. Uh, the weather is not looking good Friday. Let's just say that. You know it's bad when the Orlando Magic send you an email and say, hey, might be a good idea to come out early here since the weather's <laughs> not going to be very good.
0: What are they, what are they saying? It's going to be like
1: – 100% chance of rain with like winds of 20 miles an hour.
0: So it's going to be it's possible severe weather. Oh, fantastic! All right, that's exactly. right.
1: I have a feeling that the tennis schedule might get pushed back into Saturday, Sunday
0: finish. You might be right. Well, we might have uh, we so, might have two championships decided uh, on Sunday. How fun would that be? Yeah, it'd be good. That'd be a lot of fun. It's it's been it's been fun seeing UCF get some um, play on the national airwaves on the tennis channel, both the men's and the women's teams this year. Um, with the uh by the way you can follow the uh tennis championships live on uh, the american.org they will be uh broadcasting those tennis those te- uh, those tennis matches from the uh, usda national uh campus uh, from the USTA national campus on the american digital network plus the um uh men's final will be sunday is scheduled for sunday at noon the women's final is scheduled for uh, is scheduled for Saturday at 3. But like you were saying, Eric, they've got those two semifinals scheduled for Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, I'm looking at the forecast, and they might not get that in. Uh, 50% yeah. chance of showers at that point. So, uh, yeah, I, I would not be surprised one bit if they either move those up into the morning uh, right. and try and get them done early uh, so that they can keep to the schedule or... Do they just push everything back a day? I know they really don't want to do that because of the because of the travel expenses and all. But um, I don't know. It's going to be a tough call for the American to make. But uh, either way, plenty of tennis to be had down at the USTA complex. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Now, uh, last and uh, last but far from least, probably our favorite event of the year, uh, the UCF athletics hall of fame inductions it's been four years since they since we've done this i was at the last one along with you eric i couldn't make it this time you were there um congrats once again to the uh six inductees drew butera whose uh whose father sal was there to induct him because drew um obviously is working uh in major league baseball uh as a catcher uh in uh or actually i think he's still at albuquerque is that right brian he he's just
1: got called, called up. up, Jeff. Yeah, or oh, he Jack got Freak. called up. That's oh, okay, right, brother. Good. It's a big All leaguer. Right. I didn't.
0: Dributero uh, official, but... is officially a
1: ten-year
0: major leaguer. So he's oh, a, oh he's a ten-year guy, but he's not a five, he's not a 10-5 guy.
3: Unfortunately, no, I don't think so. No, no because he's not with no. one team. But he's he has now been a part of a major league team for, for ten seasons.
0: Yeah. Um. In addition to that, uh, our good friend Allison Trella, the former Allison Kime. Uh, also, another good friend of ours from uh from long time when I actually when I was doing video work at UCF uh Aline Reyes uh was inducted as well, and then three names in football uh obviously Brandon Marshall, Kevin Smith, and George Galeri. Uh, you know we talked to Ali. we talked to um uh, Kevin, we talked to uh Aline. Uh, And we got some. And actually, Eric, you were uh, fortunate enough uh, as you were there to uh, get some sound from uh, from each of those guys. But first, just tell us about the uh, the ceremony itself, because I was at the 2015 one. Um, It was it was a lot of fun to see. It, It was a lot of it was really great to see everybody there, everybody who was there at once celebrating these new inductees. How was this one different and what was it like for those of us who didn't see many of the highlights?
1: It was definitely bigger than 2015. It was in the Doubletree Hotel in the ballroom there. Much more space than the the Alumni Center where you and I were at four years ago. So, like, I was able to get a seat. um, And it was comfortable because there was a lot of people there. And it was really a blast because it's probably the only event that I can think of where you could have the past and the present of UCF and even to some extent the future all there in one place. I mean... Here I am, and I'm watching. You know, because they, the way they do it, they, they, you know, they have all the the Hall of Famers there. There's past Hall of Famers that make the trip. Then you got current people at UCF, like for example, uh, you know, you have Josh Heupel there talking to George O'Leary, for example. You have and Amanda Cromwell there. Yeah, Mackenzie Milton was there. Uh, there was Amanda Cromwell made the trip because of Alini Reyes. So you had her there, but you also had Tiffany Roberts, uh, C- 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 H- there. Um. Yeah, Todd Dagenet there. It was just a cool thing to see the present of UCF and the past of UCF kind of mingle uh, a little bit and really being honored. And I got to give credit to John Kavatic and, so, and a lot of people behind the scenes on that. I could tell you in talking to all of the inductees, they were very happy, felt very welcome, uh, and very appreciative of everything there, uh, what they've done there. And it was a cool event. Mark Daniels MC'd it. Uh, they did the video packages there. They didn't do uh, an introduction speaker. You know how, Jeff, last year, uh, four years ago, they would have people like like yeah. Tipner would induct him. They, they kind of skipped that. They just kind of had Mark introduce each person, uh, probably for timing purposes or whatever. No,
0: Probably uh, because O'Leary was, uh, you know, everyone was running on O'Leary time, get in and get out, right?
1: Well, well, except for O'Leary. <laughs> I mean, everybody was on a, quote, five-minute le- uh, you know, time limit, except George went 18 minutes. Uh, oh. but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah but it was cool though. I mean, Sal Butera, as you mentioned, was the first speaker on behalf of Drew uh, that he got emotional about that. And for people that don't know, Sal is obviously a longtime history of baseball. Uh, so he was there representing Drew. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and then Allison spoke, she got emotional there. Uh, she was there with her family. Stephanie Best was there uh, as well to see her get an inducted. Uh, and then Brandon Marshall spoke, and, and the cool thing about Brandon. This is a guy that is very well – probably one of the most – would you guys say he's one of the most recognizable UCF uh, alums as far as athletes are concerned, as far as – people know who Brandon Marshall is. Would you agree with that? Pretty, I mean, he's a pretty big-time guy now. Um, yeah. 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 Certainly,
0: yeah, he, he's, got, he's got the uh, championship belt, shall we say, among UCF football and, alumni.
1: And the cool thing about it, though, he walks in and he still re- talks – he knows everybody. Like, he walks into this, we had a media availability right before the ceremony, and he walks in, he notices our friend, Brandon Helwig, from UCFSports.com, gives him a hug and asks him, how are you doing? You're still doing this deal? You know, because they go way back to when, you know, Brandon was being recruited. Right. And here's Brandon Marshall, an NFL star. I mean, I mean, I don't know the last time he saw Brandon, but he remembered a Brandon Hellway who covered him back when he was being recruited. And, and, you know, Brandon t- was still talking to his advisor and, and Manny. And then that's the cool thing about with Brandon that I thought was awesome was you just didn't, you, you would not have known that this was a superstar NFL player. That's been a pro bowler that you can maybe make a case that is going to go into the NFL hall of fame. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was still had the passion and uh, you know, he still follows the program and that was cool. And then, you know, Kevin Smith, Alini uh, Reyes spoke after that, and she was fantastic uh with her history there, of course, playing on the Brazilian national team. interestingly enough, uh one thing we learned is she actually travels her dog everywhere she goes, so yeah <laughs> so the, the dog, dog was, was there. there yeah um so she was she was a blast, and then Kevin Smith, who I thought was the best speaker of the night, was phenomenal uh the one line I'll never forget, and by the way, with all these inter uh things UCF has made available on YouTube. So you can actually watch the speeches, which I think is cool. He made this great line uh, and I'm paraphrasing it, but basically I hope I'm invited back when my f- other future Knights brothers get inducted, like the sh- the Griffin's the Griffin's and the Milton's. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't give you some chills. I don't know what does. Um, that was awesome. And, and the guy is fantastic. Um, and then obviously George wrapped things up with being George, being George, you know, talking for about 18 minutes
0: unscripted
1: poking a little fun at people like you know because brandon marshall mentioned on his speech about how they his roommates and his former players and there was a female roommate and so when george came up he's like i didn't know about a female roommate i would have known i took the lesson there you know so he he, he teased him a little bit he told danny white like danny i know we got financial issues but you know these plaques could be bigger you know so george was typical george but uh but he was appreciative of it as well, and that was the cool thing about the whole night was that everybody uh, we just got to hear some of the bats of all time, and you, then you see these coaches there like Josh Heupel talking to George and things like that. Uh, it was a cool night. Uh, I liked this night a lot. Interestingly, Danny White, who spoke at this, made reference to the fact that it looks like this is, they're going to try to make this now a yearly thing. This is now going to be a yearly thing here, guys. So we might be having a Hall of Fame every year during the spring.
0: I hope. I really hope so. I, I don't know how many they plan on inducting each time, but I really right. do hope that they make it a yearly thing because it should be a yearly thing um and, and I know that now that now that they if if that's true and they are making that commitment to make it an annual event um, that's a wonderful way to sort of celebrate sort of a second homecoming I think uh, afterwards so um so, I, agree. Yeah, I, I agree I think Hello. that's a very uh, very good good job by um, by uh, by Danny White, if that's going to happen, and it'll give us a chance to actually talk, you know, build up to that, and maybe see who else gets nominated. I wonder how. I wonder when the nomination process opens up.
1: Well, you, hopefully they do it. Yeah, hopefully they could give it more time and things like that. It's plus our content, all our content, Blackie Spinner would not be. We'll, we'll just bring that back up because um, I do have content
0: some thoughts. farms, baby. I think,
1: baby. <laughs> I think if, if you look at next year, some early kind of you know little guesses for next year. You know, Kevin Smith made reference to Josh Sitton, who just retired from the NFL yeah. uh, recently. Could he be in the mix for a Hall of Fame induction next year from a football standpoint? Um, I think Amanda Crumwell, who was ironically there, uh, I think could be one of the front runners for, to get in next year. Because uh, I think you're going to see some runs of women's soccer players uh, make the Hall of Fame here in the next few years. So uh, does a basketball player make it? That's going to be an interesting question. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are asking about Jermaine Taylor, but remember, there are certain criteria you have to make. One of them being you have to have your degree. And if you don't have your degree, you're not eligible. And I think that's kind of what's Jermaine's situation. Otherwise, he would have been in. Uh, but it's going to be fascinating to see how this evolves because I know you've talked about this. The, the long term plan is they're going to have a Hall of Fame building, right? Now, did they uh,
0: confirm? Well, I was going to ask you that. Did, they, did anyone actually confirm that there was going to be a physical Hall of Fame?
1: Uh no, but I think it's been implied. So I think okay. it's kind of like let's wait till this thing is we we once it's, we know this thing is like good to go, we'll you know we'll promote it big. Because what
0: I've heard is it is going to exist in that building that they're putting up between the the Nicholson Fieldhouse and the Wayne Detch Center. That it's going to sort of be like an athletics office hub, and don't quote me on this I heard that it would be like on the first floor seems to me like it would be like there'd be like some sort of grand entryway with with that there right so um with the plaques there so but I don't know hundred percent for sure I hope hopefully somebody from UCF athletics if you're listening just hit us up and just make sure about that because I because I, I think that it should you know I mean you never know these buildings that they that, everything changes right but um yeah it should be. It, it should be a place that people can go to and if it's in that place then that means people can visit uh, visit it on game days walking up to the stadium which would be kind of cool
1: yeah no i think it'd be cool and um you know another couple of notes allison was uh, honored on saturday at the softball game they availed the banner with a number 10 in the left f- uh, field foul pole area right next to the stephanie best number three uh she was uh, inducted there in softball there and then her, as we mentioned earlier, her and uh, Alini Reyes and Brandon Marshall were uh, honored before the spring game. George was not there, as I mentioned. I'm not being funny. He actually did drive back home and actually hosted. I believe it was the women's golf team because I guess they were uh, they were participating in the well, championship nearby where he's lived. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because so he used to live in Ponce I know, and and he sold that house, and I think he lives in he lives in Palm Coast now. And they were playing the tournament in Palm Coast. So yeah. he had them over, and, and that was nice. I thought that was really good by George and Sharon O'Leary to, to do that.
1: George did say that he will uh, plans on attending more football games. He is not a good fan on TV. He says he calls too many timeouts when he's watching the games on TV. And uh, he was a big endorser of Josh Heupel. As a matter of fact, here in the media availability here, George talks about the job that J- Josh Heupel did last year and uh, maybe deserve more credit. Here is George O'Leary from the media availability at the Hall of Fame ceremony about Josh Heupel. Well, Josh's very mature guy, and obviously he's been there, done it, and, you know, well-organized practice, and, uh, and uh, he moves the field well, and that's what I look at. Are they, are they practicing? You know, what, what are they getting done? And, and uh, I'm very happy with him, and I, I think it was a very good choice by Danny to – to select him as the coach and uh, great season last year tough under those circumstances going in following undefeated season and uh, I, I thought he held up very well and did an outstanding job and that was george o'leary and he actually mentioned hypo in the ceremony there where he was trying to like hey josh i want you to commit to the program and then josh followed up with i agree with you coach the plaques are too small so it was a pretty funny line uh, but it was interesting because George has said he's been to a Josh Heupel practice and things. So I feel like I feel like Josh Heupel has probably kind of opened the doors to George here a little bit, uh, you know, without kind of uh, speculating too much. But you know that that was very interesting, kind of some of the interesting dialogue that you would get uh, from George there. And then of course Kevin Smith, you know that que- you know Kevin Smith obviously being inducted is obviously the FAU running back coach. UCF's going to play at FAU seven o'clock kick by the way. Uh, Kevin talked about playing UCF and what happened last year here was his Kevin Smith's thoughts on the UCF FAU game we gotta play better we gotta play better I mean I, I, I like I, you know I haven't talked about that game but I, I like where we were at uh we came on the road we were down 14 quick obviously we know the, the power of the offense and they play good defensive ball we went on a 17-0 run uh and, and in that stadium with those fans that I'm well aware of uh, you have to capitalize, and one thing you can't do is get the ball to them uh, with that offense, and that's what we did, and they show why, they, you know, why UCF is UCF. So bottom line, when we get them this year in our house, we just got to play better, and obviously it's going to come down to talent and coaching, so we're excited. That was Kevin Smith's uh, thoughts there on the FAU game, and you know, it was interesting hearing Kevin answer that question about he kind of knew what to expect. Uh, they dug themselves a hole. He liked where they were when they scored those 17 straight points. He thought they hung in there, and he just felt they gave him too many chances. But he feels that, you know, they got a chance if they play better and coach better. But he's – it was an interesting answer that Kevin gave there about that football game last year. He felt pretty good about it, and I think he feels good going into this year.
0: Yeah. Um, we also heard I, – I did see – you know what was fun was that I saw – um Uh, We saw Mackenzie Milton there, um, and he was glad handing um, with everybody. I want to go back to Brandon real quick because there seemed to be like a little bit of an element of finality to it, but he says he's not done yet, right?
1: correct he kind of left the door open because they asked him about it like hey you know you're gonna hang on? he's like yeah we'll see I don't know I think I still got something left in me so he kind of teased it as a left it open there a little bit he's obviously putting a word out for the mental health because obviously he had to deal with that yeah uh, that was a big case there but you know he was just excited uh and about UCF being back at UCF and he still follows UCF as he talked about here in the clip we'll play he talked about the the success that UCF's has, and it's how it's grown. I'm
2: surprised, uh, but I am a little shocked that it happened so fast. Right? Like, I mean, it's Florida. You know, we, we're a talented state in all sports, uh, boys and girls. So I'm not surprised, um, but that just says a lot to what the guys before us have done, you know, going back to Coach Cruz, going back to Jimmy Frizzell, Doug Gabriel, and Dante Culpepper, and Coach Beckton, uh, Richard Jefferson, you can go on and on and on, Asante uh, Samuels, Elton, I already said Elton, um, so what those guys were able to do, you know, they gave us the opportunity to be the first to go to a bowl game, right, and then, you know, being national champions now, uh, is just, it's just uh, remarkable.
1: That was Brandon Marshall there. Uh, looked very dapper, as you would expect, sharp. Uh, it was cool to hear him talk about how he was the defensive back He was playing yeah. safety, and Mike Simms-Walker was at corner because George said he would have made a great safety in the NFL, and then Brandon's yeah. like, yeah, I, I get it, but I'm happy I'm a wideout." <laughs> yeah,
0: I think it worked um, out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did, but it was cool to hear Brandon. Brandon is still very influenced, involved with UCF, and still you could hear it in his voice, passionate about UCF it was just awesome to see him catch up with a lot of people there that helped them get to the way they, they all mentioned the academic advisor that helped them during the process. Christy uh, Yes. She got mentioned a lot. In fact, it was funny. They joked about how she always would text them and she texted him today about the making the, about the speech and everything like that. And uh, it was just awesome to see them still not forget where they came from. And I think yeah. that's the cool thing from that. And I hope, I hope we continue to do this more and I hope it continues to grow more because I know there's a lot of fans and a lot of the uh, fan base that, you know, think that two years ago was the start of UCF football. And, and, and <laughs> while the last few years have been unbelievable for the football program, we've had a lot of great football players and success prior to that, a uh, long time prior to that. We're talking during the O'Leary era. We're talking about the Gene McDowell era, uh, the, you know, just a lot of great history that I hope people appreciate. That have helped pave the way to where UCF is now.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Real quick before we go, I'll, and I want to throw this open to the to the both of you. Uh, let's say they choose five people for next year. Who do you think should get in? I have no idea. Oh, oh come I on! I've <laughs> not, not thought of this at one bit.
1: Oh, I have. Come on,
0: I have. Eric. Eric has. I got my own thoughts too. Go ahead, Eric. Who do yeah. You know?
1: Well, I think I think Amanda Cromwell jumps at the list. Uh, I, in fact, if you, if you bet me, if you force me to pick one, if I had to put money on the line and say, who will be in this class next year, I think Amanda Cromwell will be it because of her resume. And I just, again, uh, the women's soccer history success, I think she'll be in there. You know, after, after that, it gets kind of interesting. Uh, I know Jeff, I'll defer to you. There's some volleyball players that are up for it. And one that i right now, I'm having a hard time uh, remembering how to pronounce her name. It's Rorotska or something like that. It is, um. Really, this was before Sarton, before Delaney Sarton, but it was uh, about a decade ago uh, that, that's been kind of maybe brought up from a volleyball standpoint. Uh, but I would say I'll let you look, figure that out while I kind of think of my head. I think Josh Sitton, I mentioned, could be a, a strong candidate. You know, if they stick to their rules here with seven years, you know, like is, if Blake Bortles has his degree, does he become eligible? I don't know. Maybe he's a year yeah. or two away. Uh, See, I, I
0: I don't know if Blake I don't know if Blake has his degree. I don't. I, I I would hope that he and Jermaine, if they haven't, have at least begun the process of coming back to to kind of finish up. I know Brandon finished finished his degree in the off season. Is that right?
1: I believe so. Yeah. yeah uh, it, it, uh, so it, it, I think it, it, Josh Sitton. Um. I think Josh Sitton. I would make a heavy favorite just because of his NFL success. Right. Uh. Which does you know that that does play a factor in this as far as certain categories. Um, so I think he's a factor. Um, I, I, so I would say Cromwell and Sitton are the front runners, uh, basketball wise. It just kind of gets tricky at that point because, you know, uh, I guess technically a Keith clan would be eligible, but again, what happens with Jermaine Taylor? Um, the thing is, I'm not a fan by the way of the degree, having a degree being mandatory to get into the hall of fame because. I don't see a scenario where a men's soccer player or a track and field star is going to make the Hall of Fame, if that's the case, because a lot of them have to leave early for their professional jobs uh, and their careers, like track and field. You know, if you want to make, you know, you, you want to have a career in men's soccer, you go pro early a lot of times. So I think we have to soften that a little bit, I hope, down the road, because a lot of these athletes come to UCF. To, you know, we all come to UCF because you want to improve your chances of getting the job in your whatever profession. Well, what if that profession makes basically has you leaving early and you don't finish your degree? I, I don't think that's fair. I,
0: I, I, I get it. I get it. Like if you, it's because it's a university's athletic department hall of fame. And if the university's message is you want to come here, excel in your sport and be set for the rest of your life education wise, because that's why you're there. If they're selling that ideal, then I totally get it, and it also provides the incentive of, hey, you know, it, it doesn't mean you're ineligible. Just come back and get your de- finish off your degree. There's a number of different ways you can do that in the off season, as Brandon Marshall has. Dante Culpepper finished his degree after his playing career was up, and I know George O'Leary was instrumental in doing that for um, the both of them. I think I think Kevin also um, finished his. Degree well, Kevin was different because point, Kevin right?
1: had to had to have a degree if he wanted to go into coaching, and he actually talked about right. that. So that's a and different actually, scenario because he, he wanted
0: when to. He was a GA here. He he finished his degree. So, Correct. Um, right. So yeah, but but I I I see what you mean, but I I do think surprise, I disagree with you, Eric. Um no. I I I do think it's it's the right criteria to have because. It doesn't cloud the mission of the university, which, let's face it, if it's not for the university, the athletic department doesn't exist. So that's 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 where but I, I
1: would it. argue that the, if the person leaves early, has a great career and helps the university exposure, that's, you know, the university gets something out of it. I think just because you didn't get a piece of paper does not mean that you didn't contribute to university. Well, we could go back and forth on that. I think yeah. there's some interesting questions, too. They've got to be cleaned up that will now will be interesting for example the gene mcdowell situation i think does the that fel- yeah
0: uh-huh that's the does big that one situation
1: get cleared up do they get rid of the felony rule where if you have a felony uh because that's why he's not in there because of his felony because i guess what he lied under oath or supposedly or is yeah, proven was the to whole be think
0: that actually ended up ended up costing him his career at ucf correct at so Federal that's Tanks. a hot
1: topic does that change do we see a jay bergman down the road get in uh, I think Clay Tipner is probably the next guy. If you want to look at baseball, could be the next guy that gets in, possibly, or maybe a Chris Duffy or Shane Brown. I could see one of those three getting in next year in baseball. I, I You know, our mutual friend. I think the good news about this, if it's every year, that's going to help the case of people like Janae Schinhoster, mm-hmm. softball, that maybe has been looked over because of two icons and best in time, maybe overshadowed by having this every year, now you can maybe look back at a resume instead of like, oh, four years from now we forgot because we have all these other softball people. So I think Shin Hoster's in the mix, maybe a Natalie Land's in the mix from a softball standpoint. Uh, So those are some of the names that I think will be kind of discussed in uh, next year. But if I had to bet two money, uh, two guarantees, is probably two people I would say would be uh, Amanda Cromwell and I would say uh, Josh Sitt. I'm going, has, right. my, I'm going all
0: in on my. I'm going all into my old school. I think that I think that one of the things that is happening is if they're going annual, that the old school guys. I think that helps out their case because now like, it was like you talked about before that if they were doing it every other year, that could lock some people out um, because of because of the the classes that are coming in. But I'm still in. I'm still all in from uh, for Darren Slack. I'm still all in for Mark Giacone, and I'm all in for Steve Slack, Darren's dad, because the story that Darren told me um, about how he was instrumental in saving the program. I mean, there could be there. It's it's entirely possible that in another parallel universe, there is no UCF football um, because Darren uh, because Darren's dad, Steve, decided not to step in and save it from financial ruin. Um, And that's key like that. That's that to me, you know, looking back at the history of it, that's the fork in the road moment for UCF's football program as a, in terms of its existence is, was what he was able to do with the gate crashers in the eighties and, and saving UCF from the spectacular amount of debt that it was in at that time in, in eighties terms, it was a lot of money. So, um, and he can get in as a contributor. I think Darren deserves to get in as a player. I think Mark deserves to get in as a player. Um, and, um, I agree with you on, a, on Amanda. I think she's going to get in. Um, uh, uh, Janae, I, I, I'm I'm on the record as pulling for Janae. I, I want uh, I want Janae to get in. Um, and uh, you know, after that, I think it really does get um, get get pretty uh, interesting. Um, I'll give you
1: another sleeper name: Latavius Murray could be a guy. Yeah, Tate take could with, be in. Yeah, with his NFL career, I think his last year at UCF was like 2012. So I think he'll be eligible by next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume he has his degree. I know we've seen him around. Uh, I could see Latavius being a factor there uh, from a football standpoint, because I, I think there's always going to be a, a football or two. And I do think if this is an annual thing, that's going to help the cases of some of the old timers, because, and I don't think you're going to have five members every year. Maybe you will, but if you are, then that's going to help guys like, Joe, you know, maybe, maybe you do something where, you make sure there's a couple, two, a couple from the Olympic sports, maybe you, maybe one from an old era, and then the new era. I mean, you could. there's a lot of different ways to do it.
0: Cool. All right. Uh, so we have some recap I know, I know, Eric, you have a recap of that that's going on the site?
1: Oh, uh, yes. I'll get around to it, which uh, is we'll basically just kind of a cliff notes. You'll see some of the videos of the Hall, Hall of Fame and uh, just kind of a cool weekend. And, uh, again, congrats to everybody involved in that. Yeah. It was cool, like, like John, and again, John was tremendous because he literally, I saw him at the softball field. He made sure Allison got it honored uh, with, the, with, the, with the banner and then made sure she made it on time to the football game for the pregame ceremonies, which took place about at 2.15. He made sure everything went smoothly with Allison to be both at softball and at football. So mm-hmm. uh, credit to him and a lot of the people behind the scenes to make this a, a smooth thing for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, amen to that, amen to that. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Um, Murph, uh, well, you're going to be following this baseball team as it, uh, as it tries to, yay, slog on through, man. It's, uh, but what else you got
3: coming up? not going to Wichita
1: though, for the record. He's not going to Wichita. I'm
0: not going
3: to Wichita. I I mean, I would certainly be going to Clearwater next month, but other than that, I do not see myself, uh, going on any baseball road trips in the near future. Um, I, other than that, boy, it sure is thin out here, isn't it? Uh, we're, we are entering – we are getting close to the summer. Certainly the weather out here in Orlando says spring is about to die. And, uh, and thus, we're going we're to have to really – what did we do last summer for content, Jeffrey? I forgot. It's all a blur. Well, wait,
0: well the podcasts were all uh, – we didn't write that much. But remember, we're only, we only have to do like one post a day now. So if, the podcasts were all the, uh, the summer sessions.
1: Yo, so that's we're right. We do interviews on that,
0: right? Yeah. So, how about anybody... how
1: about,
3: how about, how about I, I how about I go a three month a three month a three month warning on this? I'm trying to get a press pass for a late August Tampa Bay Rays game that will feature the Seattle Mariners, which will hopefully have both Jason Radford and Dylan Moore on the Mariners roster <laughs> at the time. It's called for, Murph. It's called it's,
0: summer sessions, not fall sessions. You have to it's remember
1: August, Jeffrey. August <laughs> is in the summer. <laughs> And so, hey, Mark, remember, I gave you the heads up. UCF football is at Pittsburgh the uh, two days earlier. The Mariners will be in Pittsburgh. So
3: let's talk. Go let's on. talk about this for one second. How cool! It, I'm definitely doing this. if This is possible. Right. The day before, the day before UCF plays Pittsburgh in football at Pitt, the Mariners play the Pirates two days. In PNC. two days
1: earlier. Two days earlier. It's a Thursday matinee.
3: Oh, that's gonna be tougher for me. I thought it was a Friday game. Saturday game? Uh, yeah. We'll see. But there's a, there's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know about that anymore. See now, now I'm, i don't know if I want to be in Pittsburgh for four days. Now you're out, the, right? <laughs> now, now, now I'm, now I'm second guessing. Now I need to go. Now I need to go sell the tickets I just bought to a Mariners <laughs> fire game. <Come> on, <laughs>
0: did
3: man.
2: you really buy tickets?
3: No, I did not buy tickets. It's oh, a joke, good. Eric.
1: Oh, I uh, no, I everything you would have said. I would have believed. I would have not have been shocked if you bought. You would have been the one person I would not have been shocked. If you bought tickets this advance,
3: I, I no, 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 no. I, I mean, I was definitely only if that if that Pittsburgh game was on a Friday, I definitely would have been. It was a it's a twelve thirty five start Thursday afternoon Mariners Pirates. I've yet to be at PNC Park, which is one maybe the most beautiful park in baseball. Um, I, so anyway, this has nothing to do with anything, much less anything <laughs> to do with UCF, <laughs> much less anything to do with UCF. But uh, I wanted to let you all know that I might be going to Pittsburgh for a baseball game in September. So there's that fabulous that's i mean that know, is ucf it's related it's Google right account. you know
1: for people that are it's, going to make
3: the it trip it's, yeah it's ucf like it's ucf tangential it's yeah it's, it's sort of somewhat related e- By e- way, like you, yeah since we had the uh, like a 40 minute conversation with the hall of fame there as you're listening <laughs> up names about teams that are going in the hall uh, guys who would go in the hall of fame or, or ucf athletes who go in the hall of fame my problem is i don't know what the standard is for like how good you have to be to be in the hall of fame. And I think we saw this year is like, not so much about what you did for UCF. Like Brandon Marshall was a, was a very good player who had one like outstanding season and really more like one outstanding bowl game against Nevada. He gets into the hall of fame because he's, he's a borderline NFL hall of famer. He
1: he got in on a separate, but that's a separate category. See, they, they have two different categories. So like, for example, Kevin Smith, Allison and Aline got in based on their UCF careers. Whereas, Mm -hmm. and George, for that matter, whereas Brandon and Drew got in under, and I forget what it's called, the name it's called, some fancy word it's called, but it's called basically. Distinguished
0: Knights or something like that. Right,
1: something to that extent where you've done beyond UCF. beyond Because, you know, obviously I've got a lot of questions about Butera, but let's face it. I mean, take it for what it's worth. There has not been a UCF baseball player that has had a more successful Major League Baseball career than Drew Butera. He is the most recognizable baseball player. Uh, oh, I know absolutely. people make fun of that. That's fair. Make people. He's played a decade in Major League Baseball, which I don't care who you are. That's impressive. I mean, you can I mean, speak to this. I mean, that's impressive.
3: It's amazing because he literally has a career OPS of five fifty eight, <laughs> and he's played ten years in the major leagues. Look, I'm not making Again, no we're I, f- like,
0: casting aspersions on Drew Buehler at getting, the very look, end of this podcast. God knows, God, God knows that Drew Buehler is almost this
3: close to taking out a restraining order on me because I stalk him <laughs> everywhere he goes. Literally, <laughs> I stalked him all
1: of time. He just assumed you were here.
3: I stalked him on both coasts, gentlemen. I went to a sporting goods store when he was on the Dodgers for an autograph session that Drew Beterra held in Los Angeles. And I stalked him when he came down here for the Rays game uh, against the Royals last year. I am literally Drew Beterra is like ghost writer at this point. Uh, but it is amazing that he is less than 10 years in the league. That tells you what defense and framing will do for you. Uh, I will say like, it, you know, among the names you mentioned, and I will just go off of baseball because it's one I'm most familiar with from the years back in 2006, seven, eight, nine, uh, Chris Duffy literally had the year where he was one of the top five players in, co- in all of college baseball yes. Like finalist, in, in, right? in yeah. any way, in any way you want to cut it. He was one of the top five players in college baseball. And I think that alone should get you like in the Hall of Fame. And that's what, the, you know, the, we don't have a lot of like, we don't have a whole lot of like obvious picks. So why don't you pick a guy who for one year was literally one of the best players in the sport? That's, yeah. that's my, that's my two cents.
0: I'm all in for Duff, man. I think, he, yeah, I think he deserves, and Shane Brown deserves to be in too. I think he's
1: Shane Brown, right. another one. I mean, there's a lot of baseball guys for
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, but then you get like guys like like Tyson Auer and Kiko Vazquez. Like they were good
3: players, but like, like you know, Clay, like, like yeah, Shane Brown's a nice player. Clay Tempner was a really consistent player, and he played in the he played in the Giants system for a few years. So Like, and I think he got a couple a cup of coffee in the majors. Um, yeah, that that that's like that. If that's your baseline for a Hall of Famer. I guess I'm not really familiar with it, so I want to sort of set up the conversation as much as I can. It really, it really, what really hurt me was that nine-year stretch from 2009 to 2016, where uh, I really was about 3,000 miles separated from this entire (laughs) university.
1: Well, my, my my advice would be then, Murph. Next weekend, when the UCF is hosting Memphis, you and our good friend Trace, you sit next to each other instead of watching the actual current product. You guys should come up with the baseball list of who should Man. be future Hall of Famers.
3: How about that? that oh, one trace. We'll, def- we'll yeah. definitely do that. We will talk about we will talk about better days like UCF baseball in 2004.
0: Man, <laughs> 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 all right. Let's read. Um, it, Elo, you said uh, it, this. By the way, I have a, I'm making a prediction here. This is going to be the summer of Elo on Blackandgoldbanneret.com because Probably. we have. But I, I have in the hopper a bunch of story ideas that I just yeah, it, it's it's right in your wheelhouse, man. I, I want to, we're talking about like all time teams that I got that I got Ooh. talking about, uh, right. like your all time UCF softball starting nine, uh, you know, hopefully, it doesn't
1: UCF. involve any me breaking news of softball coaches leaving, but you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, last year.
0: Listen, Woj, keep it positive around here. We we need we need some consistency. Um, the you know uh, what else? Like all time, you see a basketball starting five. I think would be a fun one to take a look at. Like, um, uh, yeah, we got, got bannies coming of,
1: out soon. soon. Bannies
0: is going to be coming out soon, and uh, Huge I think we're competition around May. So, um, so that's going to be fun. So, we got a lot of stuff that's going to be coming up for you here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast as we wrap things up. Don't forget to finish, to follow us at black uh, UCF underscore banner on Twitter and Facebook.com slash black and gold banner. And thanks also to uh, Jeremy Brenner. Follow him at Jeremy Brenner on Twitter. we yeah,
1: tweeting a lot of rocket stuff for this week. Like, I know, I'll be I, tweeting a lot of we magic need, stuff from the magic game. We put a
0: Rockets filter on Jeremy's Twitter feed because it, obviously he does a lot of work with the SB Nation Houston Rockets site. And he's really proud of that. He does an outstanding job with that, by the way. But uh, um but hey listen, like I mean this is Orlando, man. We we gotta we gotta we gotta focus on the magic here, and at least during the Eastern Conference.
1: I'll so. be there enjoy
0: Friday and Sunday in- night, baby. Here we go. Enjoy
3: enjoy, you- enjoy your five game series.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> that's hey that's two paychecks I'm getting, all right? Let's get it right. to, right. to six so I can get three.
0: That's right. all man you know. All right, for Eric and Brian. I'm Chef. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black Banneret podcast. We'll catch you next week.